bit of a, a rerun. Well, maybe we should just replace me with an AI chatbot. And, and, um, <laughs> you know, you you've know got that. enough. You've got enough material now for a learning model. Hello and welcome to episode 187 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday the 14th of October. I hope you've had a great week and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. I'm your host Ian Truscott. I know Rockstar, but with this podcast, I share the marketing street knowledge I've picked up on my journey from sysadmin to CMO with the help of some true Rockstars, my guests and chums, who I hope will inspire the marketing Rockstar in you. Come say hello. You can find links to me and my guests at rockstarcmo.com or follow us on LinkedIn. This week in the marketing studio, Jeff Clark and I chat about content marketing technology and how it's still a challenge. And my chum and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, is back live with a fresh thought about borrowing ideas over a cocktail in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. But first... We need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, the Rockstar CMO Studio with Jeff Clark, our resident strategy advisor and former Forrester Research Director, as I pick his brains using this podcast as a thin veil to get some free consulting, which I hope you guys also find helpful. Ian, welcome. Welcome back to the studio. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, mate. How are you? Okay. Yeah, okay. Enjoy it. We're enjoying a little bit of, uh, we actually had a little bit of um, summer-like weather here recently, and uh, it's now returning back to autumn. Yeah, we uh, similar for us too, um, which is weird because we had, we didn't have a hugely great summer. We had like a heat wave and it was raining and now we've got some nice weather again, which is really odd for October for us, but there you go. Okay, so this week, so last week we covered uh, a topic that was near and dear to my heart because I'm actually doing it in my day job, which was organising <laughs> uh, the team. And this week, uh, now this one's near and dear to my heart because it's slightly what I've been doing for the last two decades. And I'm actually a bit shocked that it's still a problem, right, which is content management. So we're going to talk a little bit about content management. And... Um, it came about from a conversation you and I were having, and I was shocked that your clients, and particularly when you were at Forrester, were still <laughs> asking the same questions that we'd had all that time ago. So, um, so the content management challenge. And in the notes, you've put, is it a rabbit hole or ostrich hole? So clearly. 
I don't know. Are ostrich holes bigger than rabbit holes? I don't know. But anyway, whichever way. I, I would, um, I don't know, because the ostrich only has to hip fit its head in, whereas the oh, rabbit's got to put the yeah, whole body in. the whole water in, isn't and, it? Yeah. That's right. And they might have little kids down there and all that. So, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah. I think anyway, so what say you, Jeff? Well, and the reason I thought about ostrich hole is that, um, so in, when doing working with clients and particularly doing technology assessments, the yeah. first thing we ask is like, you know, what are your, what are your bigger challenges? You know, yeah, you want to inventory what you got and see what's working and stuff like that. But what are, you know, what are we trying to measure this against? And so they would come back with, well, uh, we don't have any control over our marketing assets. No one can find the latest version of, you know, X file or whatever. Mm-hmm. We've got a new campaign or content strategy. We did a new brand. People still using the old stuff. How do we stop them from doing that? Or, mm. you know, creative service team is always late in delivering their projects. <laughs> and so then I would say, well, do you have, you know, digital asset management? Do you have content marketing? Do mm-hmm. you have anything around asset management? And they'd say, well, we use Teams, SharePoint, Google mm-hmm. Drive, Box. I mean, just there's a the long list of you know, convenient places to put stuff. Uh, and which to me was the answer is no, I really don't have an asset management system. That's why I thought ostrich hole. It's like, yeah. you're not, you, you've, you've got this big problem yeah. uh, and you're used something that, that is good for putting things places, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not really good for organizing searching, tagging, yeah, yeah. making it really accessible. And so that's, that's why I think it's uh it's cool. a bit of a, that's why it's still a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with this as well. I mean, I was, uh, I was giving Orange Logic, who are a great digital asset management solution, some advisory up until recently. So I'm very aware that this is still something people are really talking about. So h- how do you then approach the challenge with them? You mean, what, what you, you say that they're, they're already using Teams, SharePoint and Google Drive and stuff. So, I mean... I think the thing is you gotta you gotta think about and I did help uh I've helped a couple of clients actually work on business cases mm-hmm. and so you gotta dig into um the and we don't wanna go down the rabbit hole, not ostrich hole of mm-hmm. building the business case, but you gotta like say, Okay, so what's the challenge and what you know, what is the drag on productivity okay. or customer engagement, whatever those are, so that you can start to measure uh and, and typically you would find out you can actually develop an ROI. And one of the, I think the challenges is that your CMO, CMOs know they need a website, they need mm-hmm. a marketing automation system. There's kind of like these basics, but then when it gets to asset management or content marketing systems, they're like, mm, mm-hmm. they tend to be kind of expensive. I'm not sure how it works. Do we really mm-hmm. need that? Can we get by? And so, you know, if you start thinking about challenges or, you know, I mean, maybe you could think of these as use cases, uh, you know, I came up with I came up with five because that's that's your <laughs> your, right. your typical requirement, um, and uh, and uh, you know we can walk down through these and see uh, yeah. and uh, certainly uh, given your experience with this. Would, yes. Uh, well, I'm going to well I'm going to totally brand these as five effing challenges for content management. Absolutely. So, and I'm keen okay. to hear what it is that you, that your experience has, has given us for this. So, what's your first one? First one is just internal accessibility. You know, I can't find anything anymore. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, it was interesting because I was talking to a, a friend of my, my son who is a, a animator and he does video and mm-hmm. all kinds of, you know, cartoons and book 
uh, animations. And, and it's like, well, what do you use? And he's like, well, I have my file server and I've got the, and it's like, so if one person sets up a filing system, they may be okay. Right. Cause they know their structure. They may know where they put things as long as they still have short term memory. Um, but these days, the volume of assets that are required to support campaigns and constant content strategies, I mean, they just really bog down the ability for a creative team to find something and organize, you know, what are the original files? What are the recent derivations? You know, uh, and so, you know, you need something that can support a kind of a cataloging system with a, with a file taxonomy searching across and so even if the file taxonomy is working for you how can i search you know mm-hmm. so everything's properly tagged so it can be found and searched do i have ai capabilities that actually look at materials and automatically tag them uh based on some criteria and so i think that's where you you know the other types of systems of storing information just fall short because they can't do those things yeah, absolutely. So that so that's your first one about a- accessibility. And that's amazing because I think I've been hearing that problem forever. You know, like just I can't find things. So ages ago, it was going to be we were going to implement Google Search Appliance and all that kind of stuff. So it's that internal access. And I like your use case as well with the with the the uh, animator. So what's your second challenge that you think is the big? The, the second one is what I call the multi uh, multi challenge. Mm-hmm. I should say that again, multi, multi. Yeah. Um, so like we ran a campaign in the U S and we ran it in the UK. Oh, but we not, we need to run that in France. Yeah, yeah. So now all of a sudden I've got, you know, I need to create derivations that might have different imagery, different, obviously different language. The French don't want it in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that business to consumer marketers have been, you know, this is why they had to solve this challenge a long time ago. Cause if you got multiple brands, with multiple types of imagery and you're selling across different regions with different copy and different languages and different, you know, promotional calls to action, then, you know, you've, you've created that multi multi problem. Mm. And so, um, you know, you need the ability to work with modular content. So how can I create something either from, you know, an original uh, or original, I break down into pieces or pieces that I build up into something else. Um, you know, how can I take something that I'm publishing and publish it to multiple, you know, omni-channel mm-hmm. publishing? So I got a post. It's got to go to a social site. It's got to go to the website. It's got to be part of a trigger email. Uh, and then the obvious thing, given the case I brought up, is localization support. Yeah, yeah. So how do I support, you know, that this particular, you know, category of content has multiple sets of language content or maybe can be, interfaced so if you have access through a portal so that an agency or regional marketer can pick up the original content and they do the localization um these are all things that that uh you know are absolutely essential when you get into that multi multi world yeah geez i mean it is really amazing like i've been talking about i mean the multi multi challenge is like just in, in burnt in my mind is the thing that we always <laughs> talk about and it doesn't the thing is that doesn't change. In fact, it gets it gets worse, right? Because there is always a new channel, or there's always a new format that you need our content to be in. So that's that's always going to be the case, isn't it? So, so we, so those are the two so far. Being able to find stuff, internal accessibility, and then this publishing across the multis. What's your third challenge? 
Third one, which I think also um, surfaced at least a decade ago, mm-hmm. we were probably talking about this a decade ago, was just the customer, improving customer experience. So, you know, all of a sudden the website's delivering the wrong ebook or the mm-hmm. wrong report or, um, you know, you're, you're expecting a campaign to trigger certain responses and it's like sending the wrong message. Mm-hmm. Um, and a recent, um, there was a recent Salesforce study um, that was uh, quoted in an interview I saw with, um, you know, one of your former people who have been on this podcast talking <laughs> about, maybe probably talking about this exact challenge, said 77% of B2B marketers report significant challenges in driving the right content consumption with external audiences. So they're just not able to make that right, you know, mm. uh, connection. And so you want to be able to be able to map content, not by just the, some of the the um, types of metadata we were talking about before, but, you know, profile, customer profile, intent, maybe getting information about responses. You know, certainly a number of uh, digital asset management systems can be interfaced with other systems that would provide information back to it so it knows how it's being engaged with and it can understand, you know, it can start to evolve how it's going to be, uh, if you go back to that publishing issue, how to publish it more effectively. Um, and, um, and so this is one, I think where, you know, a lot of the, at least the top end providers have been doing a lot of work on this. Um, and I, I don't think we want to get into hmm. the particular vendor names and stuff like that, but this is where the people that are leading the categories are doing a lot of work in this area. Mm, yeah. So improving the customer experience and then reporting back exactly how that's working and of course the other thing about customer experience which is often connected with content management is personalization right so you can't yes you can't do personalization unless you've got good content management in place because you can't manage all the different variations that your audience needs right and it's just a human it's it this is one of the things I just remember from you know when we were at uh, SDL it's just it's it's beyond the human being's ability to mm. actually do the work to properly tag and set up mm. all the content to do that kind of work. Mm. It just, it's, it's impossible. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's good. So that's your first three. So they're the standard ones I've heard so many times, like being able to find stuff, publishing on the multis and then improving the customer experience, getting that feedback and doing personalization. So what's the fourth challenge? Inefficient processes. It's like, so where's my job? It was due last week. What's going on? And and this this gets a lot into um, the uh, the sort of the workflow process, which again, depending on which asset management system you're looking at or content marketing platform, mm-hmm. you know they may do a good job of of this, or they may have a another a module that you can purchase that does workflow automation. But, you know, you want to be able to speed the initial process by having, you know, collaborative ideation. You know, how can we mm-hmm. how can we take the concept behind a campaign and put it together quickly uh, with input from stakeholders? How can we automate workflows so that we have standard processes that can be reconfigurable? Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it's one thing. It's, it's easy to set up a process. It's hard when you get the feedback that something's not working to, like, reconfigure it easily. You know, you're trying to go from intake forms to assigning the job to who's going to review it to mm. where does it get activated? How's it get archived? Um, and then, uh, you know, another area which I know is just 
is people try to solve this is with other systems is the marketing calendar. So where can I go where I can see what's dropping where, when, and what state is in actually developing it? Um, and I think this set of capabilities, because I know sometimes we flip between content marketing platforms, digital asset management mm. systems, um, but this is kind of an area where content marketing platforms help solve for this process or this problem, this challenge, and they typically have either a lightweight dam that's embedded in the platform or they are partnered with another you know, digital yeah, asset manager vendor to uh, – to do the rest of the job. Yeah, I was going to avoid going down that complete rabbit hole as well because I've I've got a theory about, you know, what makes you know, a content management system is basically an interface with a database that manages a bunch of assets and a workflow process and taxonomy and metadata that helps you manage those. And yet there are content management systems that lead in one direction, so therefore they're called MAMs, they're called MRMs, they're called yeah. DAMs, they're called content marketing platforms and I, I, I you know, a yeah, for me, content marketing platform was almost like a, a CMS with a calendar on it. Almost, you know, it's, it's yeah. So you really do need to understand your needs before you decide. And this is this, and, and this is unfortunately an area where I had innumerable conversations with, or have had numerous mm. conversations with clients where they're like, "Well, we we bought this, yeah, yeah, because we thought it would solve that, yeah. and it's like, but it doesn't solve that, but yeah. it, it does this, yeah. or it's redundant with, you know, we had Asana, and so it's kind of redundant with yeah. what we." Yeah, had before yeah, yeah. and it doesn't do the other and so it's a mm. this is where going through capabilities and being clear about what you're trying to accomplish yeah and you know and buying with that in mind is so important yeah no absolutely so that's the fourth so it's managing those processes so what's your effing fifth challenge then <laughs> <laughs> the fifth effing challenge um regulatory compliance yeah. um so you know that wording, that picture, that offering doesn't comply with the mm. local laws. I mean, this kind of relates back to the multi-multi challenge is mm. that when things start to get complex and all of a sudden you're pushing something that does not meet, mm. uh, you know, does not meet the, the whether it's the local regulations or you've moved it from one industry to another and you haven't thought about what are the constraints. So if you're in, if you're marketing in highly regulated industries like healthcare, insurance, uh, banking, then then this could be, uh, you know, this could be the number one problem mm. or the number one challenge for which you you actually want to invest in a um, content or digital asset management system. Mm. So you know, trying to be able to enforce standard content that has met legal and other reviews. You're trying to require that stakeholders are in the review process. So if you're trying to do a derivation of something, you don't want to make sure you've overstepped your bounds. So somebody else has got to, you know, maybe for certain assets, there's an additional person in the review process and, and you may have to have access, but embargo the use of dated assets. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's important that, that your, your, um, whatever's managing these assets has got to have, enough constraints on it to make sure you don't get yourself in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And I think particularly the, the longer, the, the more you give access to agencies, local yeah. marketers, sales, whatever. Yeah. It becomes more important. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I've got many examples of this sort of thing from my career. I mean, there was one time I was working with a massive, I don't know what sort of company you describe them as, but they're massive and they, they, um, they they do chemicals DIY gear all sorts of all sorts of things and um, they were describing the non-stick nature of one of their products as as te as like Teflon and unfortunately Teflon is a 
obviously it's a trademarked product owned by uh, one of the other big petrochemical companies. Right? <laughs> right. Um, and they were constantly being sued by this company every time somebody dropped it into their copy. So they actually genuinely yeah. had a room of, of lawyers that were, it wasn't just the Teflon issue they were solving. There was like references to dead celebrities and all sorts of things that they were trying to solve <laughs> across. An, well, it's a massive company. So they had a massive web estate that they were covering but it was a group of lawyers basically playing whack-a-mole post publish to find all these issues whereas as you say if, if you had a cms and that and we were there to help them choose and and implement a cms yeah. to solve this yeah. very problem that in itself just that one problem is sufficient return on investment to actually um uh, fund the project right so it was amazing and, and that's and that's kind of a good thing to, I mean, as we wrap up our, our five things is that, is that all of these are things that you can measure and understand what either the uh, efficiency gain, the reduced work uh, hours, the uh, less risk, you know, if you, if, if you, if you've been sued, you know, it's very easy to say, okay, we've been sued five times and it costs mm-hmm. this amount of money. If we spend, you know, a, a fraction of that, we can actually avoid being sued again. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, mm. doing, uh, th- I mean, this, and I think, you know, again, kind of mentioned this before is that these systems do tend to be expensive to compare to other marketing tools, um, but they, they can return that investment mm. uh, many fold. And um, yeah, one client I work with actually, you know, surveyed the entire marketing staff and say, how much time do you spend? you know, actually looking for assets. And then they said, if we can cut that in, you know, a quarter or a, or yeah, a fifth, yeah. which, which, you know, most vendors would, would support that you could do that. Then, you know, we've already saved, you know, yeah. hundreds and hundreds of hours and yeah. what, whatever that, that rolled up cost is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've just remembered, I think Teflon is owned by DuPont. DuPont maybe? Anyway. DuPont or Dow. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of the big ones. One of those guys. Well, it's one of the big guys you don't want suing you every week, right? So anyway. Because so, they have lots of lawyers. So the, <laughs> the five effing challenges for content management are internal accessibility, can't find stuff, the multi-multi challenge, improving customer experience, personalization, the inefficient internal processes and making those better, and regulatory compliance, which might sound dull, but could actually fund your project. So... <laughs> That's the top five. And so if we finish our agenda with a song, what would that song be this week, Jeff? <sighs> that song, I, it, and it's something that's kind of been pounding in my head since I saw the recent release of the movie, uh, mm. Stop Making Sense. It's the song Once in a Lifetime by the Talking Heads. I think the original came out in 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, it, the thing that kept coming back to me is, you know, you may ask yourself, Where's that large automobile? Where's that picture of the Ford that I need to put in the ad? And and you may tell yourself, this is not my beautiful house because that's the wrong picture. Uh, it just makes me think of asset management challenges. I, I personally think you've just shoehorned a song in that you like uh, into this, into, <laughs> <laughs> this, this premise. But I'm not going to argue with you. It's an absolute classic. Yeah, right. So we'll play out with Once in a Lifetime by Talking from 1980. Thank you very much, Jeff. And will I see you in the next you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack and you may find yourself in another part of the world and you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large
Again, I allowed Jeff to slide in a classic tune there on the flimsiest of justifications. And that was Once in a Lifetime by Talking Heads from 1980. If you enjoyed that conversation, if you're looking for some advice on any of the topics we discussed here, or you'd like to suggest a topic for the podcast, give Jeff a shout. You can contact him through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Right, it's that time of the week to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the content advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome back to the bar. I, it's been a mm-hmm. it, uh, it's been a hot minute, hasn't it? It, uh, it has. It uh, has. You, you were frightfully busy last week, and so we weren't. Able well, to get indeed, it, it was one of those things that was unavoidable, and you know, mm-hmm. the the bar happened to be closed. So, um, <laughs> as I understand it, you 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 sallied forth without me, um, and uh, which is, you know, I mean, look, it is all about me. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure the show was woefully under under uh, staffed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the delightful but, um, thing the delightful thing is we've been doing this this for so long so many weeks i was actually able to get something from the archive that was just spot on with what uh, the topic i was discussing with jeff so i'm hoping hoping the listeners enjoyed a little bit of a, a rerun well, maybe we should just stuff. replace me with an ai chatbot and, and, um, <laughs> you know you you've know got what? enough you've got enough material now for a learning model so you just uh, i like well, you referred to that today in your This Old Marketing um, podcast, um, and I can, I, yeah, I think I think we could probably get away with that. So all I need to do is uh, teach a chatbot how to just laugh along to everything you say and then make gin and then make drinks. <laughs> no, no, the other way around. I'm the chatbot. You just, you're the one who has to show up to work. I... Yeah. <laughs> no, we do, we do it both ways and just let the two of them um, chunter away and, uh, and just create content like that i think especially yeah well you can i mean there i think there is a podcast now that has two chat bots literally talking with each other and it's the show it's i have not listened to it but i have heard about this i think the nature the colorfulness of our language and the imprecise nature of our observations would suggest that we're not robots right so i don't think there's any i don't think anybody's thinking no really i think those two guys could be robots Uh, i'm hoping the listener isn't thinking the imprecise nature of our observations that's a that should be the name of a new book that's the name of your new book the imprecise nature of my observations <laughs> maybe maybe that's what I should change my Tuesday Two Cents blog to, just imprecise observations. <laughs> imprecise observations. That's good. Yeah. That's a good name for a blog, actually. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. And a podcast. Oh, man. You're gonna and say, a podcast. This is, this imprecise is our observations. To quote, yeah. to quote your, um, your esteemed colleague and friend, Joe Polizzi, this could be our pivot. We're going to just, I'm just, Rockstar CMO ends today, next week. Imprecise observations. There you go. There you go. Well, speaking of imprecise observations, yes, we do have a good cocktail. 
um, for this mm-hmm. yes for this evening yes um, to to sort of celebrate coming back. Yes. I you know here's the thing. I uh, I had a hankering as I was off and traveling and mm-hmm. doing the things that I had to do for a classic gin fizz cocktail. And so that's Ooh, what we're going to have tonight. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have a gin fizz and mm-hmm. a classic gin fizz at that. And so if you don't know the gin fizz, of course, it's basically uh, gin of, of, you know, is obviously the, the foundation <laughs> of it. But then it, yes. you add that sort of frothy egg white topping Uh um and it really adds a lovely texture to it um there is a secret in making it that i will share that i Mm -hmm. that i have discovered anyway which is okay so first of all you need gin right and whatever your favorite gin is and by the way the better the gin the better for a gin business in my Uh opinion Mm -hmm. and so then you add lemon of course um you need something for a sweetener and as you know, frequent listeners will remember mm-hmm. I hate the simple syrup idea. So maple syrup or some sort of um, some sort of syrup that that gives you a sweetness, and then egg white and soda water, of course. Now that's the that's the ingredients. Now here's the key: yes. when you make it, you do two shakes, right? So you put all the ingredients into a uh, you know your shaker, okay. yeah. and then shake it without ice first. Um, because and they call that a dry shake, right? So you mm-hmm. shake all the ingredients without, and because that what that does is start to foam up the egg white uh-huh. and really get that going. And then you do uh, basically the um, you know the the uh, ice mm-hmm. to cool everything down, pour it in, and then when you add the soda water to that little concoction that you've now poured into your glass, mm-hmm. you get that wonderful you know science lab. Uh, sort of frothiness <laughs> from the egg white that sort of creates the wonderful foam topping and it's it's a little bit like magic mm-hmm. it's totally impressive for your friends that don't know what the hell's going on and yeah. um, and there you have it then you have a lovely gin fizz cocktail lovely well I was as we were contemplating before um, uh, before the show started thinking of retiring our I'll, I'll make that with the only the ingredients of my desktop bar joke but seems as you've you've brought gin to the table and I have gin on my table and uh, and the fact that it's quite nice to sit and drink a gin and tonic while I talk to you anyway um, I shall uh, I shall attempt to make that very same drink using only the ingredients on my desktop bar so we'll start off with some Hendrix gin is that good enough for you for a, for a gin fizz? that's good enough yes it's nice. good enough. it would be better if they sponsored the show but it's good enough for now good lord man I, yes one day one day and I will also be uh, the, the thing. The nice thing about the folks at Fever Tree, they have put together the English equivalent of egg white, maple syrup, and lemon, uh, which of course everybody knows is the cucumber. And they've put that into some delicious um, tonic water, which is just like yeah. soda water. Nice. It's l- just like soda water, except it's just <laughs> not. So. <laughs> well, there's some fizz. There's some gin and there's some fizz. You've heard there is it. a. There is. There are bubbles. Yes, this they're. Is... They're both do have bubbles. <laughs> this might be the closest I've been. I, for a weeks. long time, didn't know the difference between soda water and tonic water and and yeah. and sparkling water. Right. So it's uh, there, yeah. but there is a real difference. And the nice thing is, you've gone on a a a long journey of discovery when it comes to cocktails and and that's how you now know those things right well <laughs> or or people educated me one of the two educated <laughs> well that's delicious robert i could drink one of these every week 
And so we have I, not killed I, I the gin and spike joke. Gin <laughs> fizzes for me are, are the kind of thing that you have to have like special. It oh, feels okay. like it's a special drink. All right. So where are we going to have these special drinks this week? Oh, I think we should probably have them somewhere cosmopolitan, right? Mm. So I'm thinking we should probably be in, you know, I mean, it is fall in New York um, mm. and it, the temperatures are lovely, um, although it's been weirdly hot there. Um, <laughs> but um, somewhere, I think, somewhere, I think in New York City at some mm. fancy, fancy bar, you know, where where we can have a gin fizz cocktail and, you know, our <laughs> our pale our paleness and Europeanness, you know, sort of emerges, um, <laughs> you know, basically, you know, wearing our khakis, <laughs> as it, <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, that sounds classy. <laughs> celebrating our unhipness, celebrating our unhipness, basically. Yes. Well, I mean, the, our um, our credit cards are good in those places as much as anybody. Else. Oh, indeed. Oh, no, no. They're yeah. The, the credit cards are really good in those places. Yeah, they like they like they like suckers like you and me. Yeah. All right. So uh, that sounds fabulous. And so we're having these classy drinks in this classy space and looking all out of out of um, out of touch and out of place. Where um what and well conversation turns to marketing just to prove how hip we are. Um, what yeah. is it we're discussing this week, Robert? Well, it's about stealing ideas, um, <laughs> you know, and it's a it's a topic that's come up of late, especially with AI and where mm-hmm. a lot of experimentation is going now with content creation and marketing. Um, and so often, I mean, we've spent our lives, right, you know, as marketers trying to differentiate our brand or our product using content, right? And everybody wants their products to sound like no one else's and we all want to you know we all want to establish like this distinctiveness that our product is considered the outlier right the you know in the best way the outlier in in the marketplace and we want to answer customers needs with our content with our thought leadership and all those kinds of things so that we create this differentiated distinct you know disproportionate share of our conversation mm-hmm. um, about all you know hashtag all of the things <laughs> and the thing is, though, it, it's we just don't. <laughs> we just, you know, that is a that is a folly mm-hmm. uh, at best to try and do that because, in so many ways, we have to say the same things that our competitors are saying because it's the right answer, mm-hmm. um, or it's the you know, or it is the best way to talk about things. So we have to, in many ways, find the different way of saying the same thing that our competitors are saying, or yeah. that the market is saying, or. Yeah that the consensus believes. Um, and so, uh, you know, I mean, Mark Twain once said, like, there's no such thing as a new idea. It's impossible. All we can do is take old ideas and put them into kind of a kaleidoscope and twist them into something that mm. resembles mm. Uh, uniqueness. And so, in, especially today, when we're in this sort of AI-driven copycat mm-hmm. culture, even if you can some come up with something differentiating, how long is it before... The AI, you know, basically says the same thing you're saying for someone else. Yeah, yeah. And so is, you know, the question then becomes, well, is uniqueness a prerequisite to success? And my answer to that is no, and it never has been. Mm-hmm. Um, we can actually make great hay with ideas and especially ideas that didn't work for 
our competitors or 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 you know colleagues in the same space. And to illustrate that, I, I sort of I, I sort of lean on this idea that was uh, that came out of research uh, about ten years ago, where they looked at how kids played, um, and they compared it to how businesses in the same industry competed. And basically what they discovered was more successful companies in a new industry, they didn't worry much about being different, but instead what they focused on was borrowing the best ideas from others in their space. In other words, they were the second mover Mm -hmm. right, in the space using similar ideas as those that came before them, but doing it in a better way, right? And so it's a form of what these researchers, when they looked at the kids, called parallel play, Right. right, where... When young kids play together, they sit near each other, but they often play very much by themselves. Mm-hmm. But they pay attention. They actually look at what other kids around them are doing, and they, in many ways, will copy what they're doing. And so when the researchers were looking at this, they found that businesses that targeted new markets, they kind of echoed this kind of play. They didn't consider the developments from their these new competitors as something to avoid or differentiate against. They basically watched and borrowed the best of what they saw. Yeah. And I think that's such an important lesson for us as content marketers these days, especially with how noisy markets are, is that, yeah, we all want to create these original stories and express them in different narratives and do all these kinds of things. But if you can look at others in the proverbial sandbox and learn from their success and their mm. failures... Well, you can really be successful. And I'll give you a quick example of this because I actually saw it in action where we worked with this big professional services firm, consulting firm. And they're the kind that basically help, you know, big companies, big, big, you know, with big technology projects, right? You know, implementing big technology projects. And they were trying to move into the marketing stack tech space. And they had no <laughs> business being in there because they had no experience in it, but they needed to message themselves and they needed to sort of enter that yeah. new market for themselves. And they're faced with creating a story, right? They need to create a story. So what they did was they looked at all of their competitors and saw how they were positioning themselves and basically looking at some of the stories that weren't working as well for their competitors. But they found that they could basically create uh, an idea around, you know, something like when I say it, Business leaders need better insight into changing customer needs and the ability to pivot quickly into mm-hmm. new marketing approaches, right? That was going to be a core story for them. Well, then you go, <laughs> well, how many how many yeah, times yeah, have you yeah. seen that, right? I mean, in the last, yeah. you know, 10 years. But because of their provenance in other areas, cybersecurity, financial technology, other areas, that story was had a bit of a unique wrapper to it and it worked for them. Because what they were really good at was insights. They were really good at developing insights in other industries. So they could lean on their provenance of being super skilled and deep from a technology insights perspective and apply that to an old content wrapper that every other digital agency out there had tried to provide, but they made it work. So it was this idea of borrowing this old idea, this old story and making it, you know, theirs. And it's very much like, you know, when you look at Star Wars, you know, how much of that is borrowed from Kurosawa, you know, and, you know, when you look at Ridley Scott's Alien, you know, how much it borrowed from the 1950s movie It, you know, there's so many examples of this in Hollywood 
that interestingly borrowing those stories and making them your own can actually work when previous versions either didn't or you know or were moderate mm. successes no, no, I, I really like this um idea because we are obsessed with differentiation especially in b2b we don't do it but we're obsessed with it. right yeah. we get so obsessed that we forget yeah. that we can actually yeah, we can yeah. actually yeah borrow some ideas I'd be responding yeah. by saying oh but you know i worked for a vendor and they would you know the typical refrain was well what would adobe do if to every fucking idea that ever came along and uh, and you end up you know looking at the tail lights of your main competitor rather than actually focusing on being different and being yourself but i like what you're saying here is that if you sort of borrow a bit of an idea and you have your own credibility spun on top of that it doesn't have to be completely different so it's that's that's interesting yeah yeah or it yeah, is different yeah, because yeah, you are the one telling it you right your own yeah you know i mean that's the yeah. that's the real you know it's like that's the that to me that's yeah. the metaphor of the sort of George yeah. Lucas borrowing the idea of, you know, the, yeah. the hidden fortress, yeah. right, from Kurosawa, and basically telling the exact yeah. same story, um, but doing it as a space yeah. opera, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, with Wookiees yeah. and Stormtroopers, but it's the same idea, and really making it one of the most popular yeah, stories absolutely. of all time. The other thing, of course, I think, which you allude to as well is, and, and I kind of wrote about this on my blog, is that you, you don't need to be original to your audience because you're the you're the one they trust with this message right so it might be that similar to somebody else that's right what unique to you is that trust with that audience and so they'll hear that same message from a competitor but when they hear it from you they trust it so i think that's also something with the professional services company right yep that's a great point yeah that's awesome that's a great so where are people going to find uh things that are completely differentiated and completely original but maybe borrowed from other places, but definitely unique to that audience. <laughs> well, all my ideas are stolen. I mean, let's just be incredibly clear about this. All my ideas are, are completely stolen. However, um, and, and maybe most, most, uh, most prominently oh. in my new book, um, which is Content Marketing yes. Strategy, mm-hmm. just out um, yes. two weeks ago now. Um, and selling through yeah. your favorite bookstore. Mm-hmm. I have been told, uh, and for many of your listeners, just as a secret little, I don't know <laughs> how secret it is, but, but it's, you know, if you buy the book at coganpage.com, you can actually get a package of the ebook oh. plus the paperback book nice. together for a single price, which is better than you yeah. can get on Amazon. So um, if you're interested in such things, yes. um, you can do that. And by the way, it's, even though it's based at Kogan Page is based in the UK, I from what I also I understand the shipping is lickety split yeah. here in the States nice. as well. So nice. That's nice. Well I, I got mine from Amazon and and I didn't get all the, the nice things. But what I did get was that I got it early, which gave me the opportunity to interview about the book uh, in episode which is two episodes ago. So I'll include a link to that in the show notes in case a listener didn't hear that special episode too because that was absolute delight thank you lovely and uh when people spin the dial on the interwebs where are they going to find you they'll find me in my little hovel at contentadvisory.net which is uh is is newly refreshed with new content and fun Mm -hmm. things like that um and then of course on linkedin um i have given i have given up (laughs) on x's X no longer marks the spot. So I like that. X no longer marks the spot. That's cool. All right, mate. And most important to me, will you be in the bar next week? 
Apparently, <laughs> that's, that's the that's, that's the plan. Client yes. work and all the other things are getting our way. I look forward to it, my friend. I'll see you then. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. A very good point. There are no new ideas. We just put our differentiation on those that we borrow that already exist. So that's a wrap on episode 187 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Quite a short one this week. And I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Jeff and Robert for sharing their insights. And to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. You can find all of our links and the things we discussed in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com along with our blog newsletter on all of our previous episodes and please let us know what you think by the socials drop us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening I'm glad you're here next week I think Jeff and I will be digging into budgeting as it's that time of the year and I need some advice and Robert will be back in the bar sharing his content marketing advice but until then have a great week I hope you again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.